Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. We're breaking down all the biggest NBA storylines. You're tuned in to The Heat Check. The Heat Check with Trista Crick. The best podcast covering all the drama around the association. Frank Michael Smith, a.k.a. Rhino, one of the biggest fucking names in the basketball content space. 1.7 milli followers on TikTok. 1.3 milli followers on YouTube. Gets more views than first take on YouTube. Gets more views than your favorite fucking morning show. Why? Because he is a straight beast. Similarly, massive followings on other social media platforms as well. He has been grinding, making straight to camera videos since 2010. That is a long fucking time. This man's been in the internet game since longer than I think I even knew the internet social media existed. He is basically my role model when it comes to content. Doesn't know this, I'm about to drop some info on him. The very, one of the very first videos that I saw on TikTok that was highly successful in the sports space that I sent to my producer and said, this man is crushing. We need to diagnose what he does was this man, Frank Michael Smith. I have been following you since the real reason Russell Westbrook plays so hard in the spring of 2020, Frank Michael Smith. Wow. That you just set the record for the intro. Let's go. I'm fired up right now. Sometimes you need to hear it, Trista. I know, like, you can do the intro later, but, like, who knows what the intro is really going to be, right? Like, who knows, you know? That was beautiful. Thank you. I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah, you put the 2010 number out there. That makes me feel old at this point, but I was grind. I was one of the first people on YouTube. I was in 2008 in middle school making highlight videos, and, like, people didn't know YouTube yet. That's what's so crazy is the space at that point was not as saturated as it is now and what's fascinating to me about your journey is that a lot of youtubers that are huge they got huge because of when they started but it what but you didn't like you got huge through persistence so what do you think was the difference between what you did then and what you did now and like how different do you think YouTube is now from when you started? Oh my God, it's so much different. So back then, I remember I used to do these highlight videos. So it would be like LeBron James, Ultimate Highlight Mix. And if you dig hard enough, you still might find one. They're not under my name, but you might find one. Uh, I was rarely ever in the actual videos. They were just like, you know, highlight compilations. And they I had a cool soundtrack on there. 
which by the way is like the easiest way to start hating a song is to put it in your video. You have to listen to it like 75 times. So I just crushed my favorite songs. But anyway, it was all about search. I knew people were going to search LeBron James. So I would make his highlight mix and it would get views. And, you know, as a 13 year old kid getting like a hundred thousand views was amazing. It was like, almost felt impossible, but it was happening. Uh, and now it's, you know, it's so much more sophisticated. It's not really about search anymore. It's so much more, it's, it's probably a better system now. It's about watch time, loyalty, all these other things. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's still about like, Hey, do people watch and like your videos? It's not that complicated. Well, and discovery too. I think the thing that's always been interesting to me as someone who came like you from, you know, anonymity, right? Like wasn't, a, I wasn't a college athlete. I didn't get plopped into the system where you get pushed. So discovery has always been something fascinating to me. How do you think if you were to start a YouTube page today, you could take it to zero to viral differently than what you do now? Like if you were to do it in a different way? I'm not sure I would do it in a different way. I, I could go from zero again, but it's, it, it all comes down to value at the end of the day. And you'll hear people talk about this and it's like a pretty broad stroke to paint here. But at the end of the day, like, are you giving someone something interesting? Like that's what you do on this podcast. People like your podcast because you deliver value. Like you're funny, you're informational, you're relatable. Those are all valuable things. So, you know, everyone has their own different way of getting there, but you know, I, I know how to do that now. So I could go from zero. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like almost become the thing that I read. I read an article of you being interviewed. And the thing that I thought was like so fascinating and something that I struggle with a lot is like having a formula. And that sounds like as for a creator, there's nothing scarier than the word formula, right? Like you feel you're trapped now into a box. But for what has worked for you, you have you have stuck to this recipe. Recipe is probably the better way of putting it because that sounds, I think, better and more like open. And then like this is working. I'm sticking to this. Like, how did you find out what that formula was? I, you know, I didn't put that much thought into it. Like I've tried so many different things and most of them failed. So it wasn't like I was like, hey, like first try here. Got it. But Finally, I, when I found something that did work, I knew right away. So I met my first video on TikTok. We'll, we'll skip to the TikTok portion of my career. It was 2020. Uh, I had worked in sports media for a couple of years out in LA, started making videos on my own. And I did it. I did an origin story about Giannis. And I know it's an interesting story. A little kid growing up on the streets of Athens, trying to sell knockoff DVDs to people to make a dollar. It's amazing. Really is a great story. I would see these on YouTube and they were like eight and a half minutes long. Eight's an important number there because once you go over that, you can throw an ad in the middle. So people would stretch them out on purpose and the story would lose value because, you know, it just didn't need to take that long. I saw these and I was like, oh, I'll do that in one minute. I'll try that on TikTok. You know, they limit you to one minute. It's the whole game. And it worked immediately. People really appreciated how I didn't waste their time. I told the story with forward motion. It was fast paced. And that's the whole thing about TikTok is it's a fast paced environment. So it just fit. It just fit all of TikTok's values. People appreciated it. And I was like, okay, now I just got to do one of these every single day. And that's the repeatability that you talked about was like, okay, it's one thing to go viral to have a hit. Now, can you do that every day of your life? 
And that's what I did. Like the next two years, I don't think I missed a day. Did you see that article that just came out about Shams? I was going to ask I you about I read the whole the thing. Yeah, I thought that was... So just for people who haven't read it, it, it chronicles Shams' career. He ends up getting mentored by Woj. Woj and him are now in this like Cold War as newsbreakers. But the thing that I thought was fascinating to me is that like Shams has absolutely zero work-life balance. He probably will never date in any meaningful way. He's on his phone like 18 hours a day. Like what was the most interesting part? Because you talk about consistency. And that was the first thing I thought about when you said two years without missing a video. Like, what was the thing that you felt was compelling in that article as it relates to you and your career? Well, Shams is born that way. That stuck out. And by the way, one of my friends, he, I went to college with him. He went to Nutrier. He graduated with Shams. I saw him this weekend at a wedding, and he was like, you see the article on my boy Shams? And I was like, oh, yeah, you guys, like, were you the same year? He was like, yeah, I had classes with him. I was like, was he the same way in high school? He's like, the exact same way. Just loved basketball, obsessed with basketball. You know, they mentioned this in the article, like it didn't really make the teams, but was just dialed in. And they go in the article and talk about how he's, you know, hey, I can't do this interview. I got class. I'll oh, skip college. No, I'm in high school. So that's just the way he is. Like you, you can't really give advice if you're Shams. Like you kind of have it or you don't. Not everyone's cut out for that. And my career is certainly not as demanding, but I'm entrepreneurial by heart. Like I was the kid in high school selling snapback hats out of my locker and printing t-shirts in the school art room and selling those. And it was just fun for me. That's what I like to do. So when I had the chance, when I saw this video go off, I knew I had a chance here. It was fun to take that chance and be like, let's do this every day. Let's, let's keep this rolling. It was like, you know, I was having a good time. How long did it take for you to realize that you could monetize this? See, I had a bit of an advantage. I worked in sports for a couple of years. You were clutch points, right? Exactly. So <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. I wasn't making very much money. And so I went to my boss and I was like, hey, can I start doing some sales on the side? I got to sign some of these deals so I can get a commission check. Like LA is expensive, Trista. It's oh, tough. Oh, I know. There, man. I it's know. Tough. So I was like, I got to make some extra money. Like I'm stressing. Like I didn't even have a car and I live in LA. So I was like, let me sign some of these deals. And I got Can I stop one. you right there really fast? Did you Uber everywhere or what did you do? Oh, Uber pool. That was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter, Uber pool. We need it back. So you so, said, okay, I want to do sales. Yeah. So I, I find this deal and it's with the company Sports Betting Dime. And... It was a nice deal. It was like a $25,000 a month deal. And I was scheduled to make like a couple thousand on it every month, which was like, oh, oh my God, this is like massive life-changing money for me. And the day we signed it, we had all the ink on the paper. The pandemic hits, March Madness gets shut down, the deal gets voided, and I'm out. And I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. This can't be happening right now. And fast forward a couple months later, I'm making my own videos. I part ways with Clutch Points. I reach back out to the same company, Sports Betting Time. And I was like, hey, give me a fraction of what you're about to give Clutch Points and I'll deliver. I'm getting tons of views right now. I'll drive people where you want to drive them. And I crushed it for them. So I, I monetized pretty quickly, but I had some relationships in the bag. So what do you think is the most important part of a creator going from engaging content, views, to actually delivering value for a brand. 
I mean, you people have to care about you. They have to care about you. And that's like that's one of the problems Clutch Points had was like no one really cared about the brand that much. They delivered a lot of news like, hey, so-and-so sprains his ankle and here's the article about it. And we're going to link you back to the website. They they couldn't have like an in-person activation. They couldn't be like, hey, everybody meet up. We're having a 3v3 tournament at the park. Like people wouldn't show up. They didn't really identify with the brand. They were just in it for these little news morsels. And a lot of it was just aggregated too. Like they're really Shams probably. Like, you know, yeah. they're just they're just taking what he does. And they do have a couple guys like beat writers for the Clippers and such. But, you know, that was really the business. They weren't building a relationship with their audience. They weren't fostering anything. So when I went out on my own, I knew I, I can't have that. I have to show my face in these videos. I have to cr- I have to be relatable. I have to show you know, there's, there's a human behind these videos. I'm not like, you know, some sports story machine. I have a life. So, <laughs> you, you know, people, people actually appreciate that. I just started a broadcast channel on you on Instagram the other day. Thousand people joined it immediately. They care about me. So that's the to answer your question. That's how you have to transition. And like people are only going to convert to brands or sponsor deals. if They care. Yeah, and it's hard to get brands to want to jump on even if your views are big, right? Like, because how are you going to do that? Are you going to put a watermark in? Because that's not going to get any or real organic value to a brand. Is it? Is it something that's like, you know, this Canada Dry that I'm just having? Like, what are, like, how how do you find the? Because I, I saw that there was a big StockX partnership that you just did where you did a. a scavenger hunt inside of an arena so that that and. actually is not stock i want it to be stock x oh was, so what I, was it was just you just bought the travis scott so yeah so let me explain this this is this is really cool so it's totally unsponsored right now stock x if anyone's listening pay pay close attention to this segment my suggestion is always to be creative with the brand deals the brand's paying you money you know i think you owe it to them to at least think outside the box a little bit it shouldn't be as simple as like Here's a candidate dry, you know, use your brain a little bit. So this isn't sponsored yet. In, in the future, I hope the brands will see the creativity. But me and a fellow Pittsburgh creator, his name's Colin Honahan. He goes by All Hail B-Ball. You might have seen his stuff before. I know you're on basketball TikTok, so you've probably seen him. Anyway, we linked up and we were like, hey, how cool would it be if we did a scavenger hunt at the Steelers game? And we loved it. So we went in during the pit game which they play at Heinz Field, Acrisure Stadium now. And they played a week before. Hit it during the pick game, took a video of us hiding it, but didn't give away too much, and then promoted that we're doing this. And then it was on. We were like, hey, find the golden letter. You win the Travis Scotts. And we ended up having to move the letter a little bit. We had some logistical issues. But I stood in the corner, Trista, and, and tied my hoodie up. And watched hundreds of kids dig around the concourse. It was amazing. Like to see these people in real life is so game changing. Like we sit behind these screens and see the views go up. Seeing it in person is like next level. I love it. So now we're doing it every week. That's sick. So you came out your pocket for the Travis Scotts. Bottom oh, yeah. the secondary market to do the activation for a potential deal that hasn't even happened yet. Well, yes, but we also get like, we're building something like we also do a giveaway attached to it. So if you were to like, I can't make it to Pittsburgh, you go to my bio, you enter your email in 
and you have a chance to win another pair. So now we get everyone's email. We can create like a cool newsletter. So we're building assets attached to this. It's called The Hunt. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus I read that it takes you eight hours, somewhere between eight and 12 hours to go from ideation to publish for one video. Is that true? Well, yeah, depending on the size of the video. Yeah, I write pretty fast now. I've done, I've done over a thousand of these. So actually so, getting the idea, I have like a solid filter for what's a good idea and what's not. That's probably the most important thing to have. Then... You know, I'm writing the script or, or, or a guy on my team writes the first edition of the script. I make an edit. I film it. That The filming process is actually really quick. I'll hammer out a video in like four minutes. But mm. I send it off to my editing team who are beasts. These guys are the best. And they'll spend a full shift on it. So they'll spend eight hours editing this, you know, one minute video. Wow. So, okay. So you guys all get together for the ideation first or just, just like walk me through the granular steps of how that happens. It's from all over the place. Like I saw, for example, today I saw a post from ESPN NFL. It was a quote from DeMarcus Ware and it was talking about Micah Parsons. He has all the tools to be Lawrence Taylor. I was just having a conversation with my dad last night about, how the NFL is hell-bent on making Micah Parsons into Lawrence Taylor. They are going so far with this thing. So when I see that post today on my Instagram feed, I'm like, okay, that's just ammo. Now I have like a visual aid to put into this script. It's going to look even better now. I'm reinvigorated to write this thing. I got some of my thoughts out with my dad last night. Let's write this. I write it. I film it. I get it to the team. How long did it take to write the script? 30 minutes, not roughly. 
when you edit the script or or someone writes the first edition, and I know this is like very granular, but I think it's super important for people who want to be creators. What are you looking for to be in the script? Because I, I read in this, in, in this interview, but I also just based on what I know, you've got some of the best hooks, meaning the, the thing that gets viewers listening and interested and not to swipe left or right or out of there. Like, so what's the most important thing for you when you're building that? Yeah, it's a fine line you got to walk. You can't be so sensational and be like, this is the greatest, you know, all this stuff, because then you're going to lose people's trust. It's probably not the greatest, the most crazy thing ever you heard. And I see people who do that. And, you know, I, I don't think it's sustainable. So you, you got to give people something without giving them the whole thing. You have to make it exciting without making it sensational. You're, it's, it's a balancing act. You have to weigh these things and be like, okay, how can I not give up enough information here, but still gain their interest? and still make them need to watch the whole video, which I don't, some people have a problem. They call that clickbaiting and stuff. I really don't think it is. Like I, I think of my story structure in a lot of the same ways that like movies are written. There's context, there's characters, there's setting, there's tension. A movie wouldn't be fun if they just gave you the ending right away. You know, you gotta, you gotta add some build up here. Yeah, you have to say, hey, like, check this little, that trailer. The trailers wouldn't exist if we didn't have to draw people in. So how many people do you have working with you on your staff right now? And how did it, how did it go from you by yourself in L.A. to now you having a little squad? Well, I'll start in L.A. I tell people this all the time. Like, you don't, I got the nice mic right here. So do you, you know, you don't need this stuff. Like, the biggest mistake some of these newer creators make is they want to buy everything right away. I had an iPhone seven. I used like a suction cup and put it on the wall and used the front camera. It was nice and sunny in LA. So I was near a window, didn't need any lighting, but I couldn't film when it was dark. You know, I had to get, I had a little window here, but you know, I had a $50 mic from target. I did have a MacBook pro, but that's it. Like, you know, I just cleaned up the room that I was living in so it didn't look messy for people and made the videos. You know, it's a low barrier to entry nowadays. You don't need to have all this fancy stuff. You got to slowly, slowly level up. You use like um, whatever Final Cut or you, you edit it in post, correct? You wouldn't just do straight to camera post no. on TikTok. You would do straight to camera, upload to the MacBook Pro and then put what we call B-roll in, which is the video footage that you have overlaying your audio, right? Yeah, so I had all these skills. I, like I said at the top, I've been making these videos since 2008. I used to use Windows Movie Maker. You know, that was the, the worst thing ever. iMovie, some of these programs. Then I went to Final Cut. Now I'm at Adobe Premiere. So I know how to use all this stuff. I had those skills. The skill I really didn't have at the beginning was being on camera talking. I never did any of that. I was like, hey, I got zero followers. Like no one's going to see this, you know, it's like, who cares? It's like my friends don't even have TikTok yet. It's pretty early. So I was like, hey, you know, like even if, I, if I'm terrible here, no one's going to see it. Sure enough, my first video gets 100,000. And I was like, ah, well, you know, at least I got the stats to back it up now if I'm terrible. Interactive media major in College of Miami of Ohio. I think the thing that's interesting to me is it feels like just from moment one, you kind of just knew that this was your game plan. Like, what is that program? What did you learn? How much of that do you use every day now? I'm one of the few people who really uses their major, at least like from my friends in college. But 
Yeah, it, it, it did feel right. I didn't know Miami had this major when I went there. I was undecided and I was going to try and get in the business school. It got like a D in Calc. That wasn't happening. I wanted to be an entrepreneurship major. It wouldn't let me be an entrepreneurship major. Like, makes no sense to me at all. But, you know, it's all for the best. I find interactive media. I finish out that major. And there wasn't really any job for me. Like, I came out of college and I was jobless for six months. It sucked. Like, I felt pretty bad about myself, to be honest. All my friends were like working, making money. I was like, damn. I went for an interview as like a loan support analyst. That was painful. I was like, no, I cannot. I hope they don't offer me this job. I do not even want to have to say no to them. So, you know, shout out to all the loan support analysts out there. No disrespect, but wasn't for me. Finally found the thing at Clutch Points and, you know, that wasn't for me either. But, you know, I learned a lot of valuable things there and part of ways and did my own thing in 2020. So for those who don't know, my man, Frank Smith, was running the socials for Clutch Points and killing it there and what i thought was interesting was the interview that i that i read was that they were totally fine with you doing your own thing while you were working there until you surpassed them what was that like conversation like and and what did that sort of teach you that was wild I'm, that made no sense to me at all. Like I, I wanted to win so bad. I'm a competitive person. I really wanted to win when I was there. I was like, we got to do new stuff. We got to be more creative. We got to like, we got to evolve as a brand here. We need to do original content. Like I said, a lot of it's aggregated and that they made a business model off of that. I'm not saying there's anything like wrong with it, but I wanted to level up and I saw this original content as a way to do that. And I would tell them every Monday, we had this meeting about TikTok. I was like, look, this stuff's working for me. We should lean into this. We should be reposting this. We should be you know, de devoting resources to this. And they kind of just blew me off week after week until I passed them. And then their, their whole attitude flipped and they said they owned my page. It was crazy. It was like, they were trying to basically say that like everything I created in my own time on my own phone was theirs. And at that point, like the relationship had totally soured and there was no way that I was going to continue working there. I was already working remote, which was weird anyway. And um, I was like, no, I'm just going to better myself and do my own thing. So they fired me. Their loss. You're done with clutch points, but you're still in L.A. You go off, you do it all by yourself. Now walk me through how you get from that to living in Pittsburgh with the team media moguldom. All right. So first of all, I love Pittsburgh. You're not going to hear a lot of like creators in Pittsburgh, although like my guy Cullen is here. It's not exactly a creator hotbed. It's the opposite move you would make if you're starting a media company, a production company. You're like, oh, let me move from LA to Pittsburgh at like the peak of this business. You know, I was doing like 80 million views a month. Things wow. were going well. So I was like, yeah, let me move to Pittsburgh. And a lot of people's minds, they were probably like, that's the opposite way that should work. But for me, it was like, I don't know what the point of living in LA is anymore. People don't want to meet you, with you in person. COVID got so weird there that, you know, what's the whole point of being there if you can't build relationships? Everyone just wanted to take a meeting online. I was like, why am I paying all this rent? And I just love Pittsburgh. This is my hometown. I love this city. People here have like a real community connection with the with each other. There's not transplants, you know, 
it was weird living in LA. Like I'm, I would walk down the street and people like wouldn't wave at you like the simplest yep. things, Like no one was friendly ever. And that's something that Pittsburgh really does a good job of. Like we all have this, like, you know, we're all, most of us are born here. So, you know, it just works. But anyway, I had the opportunity to buy my childhood home where I am right now. So I was like, okay, that's perfect. I can set my studio up in the basement. I know I have plenty of room. I love this house. And uh, I made it I made it happen in October of 2021. At what point did you say, okay, I've got the resources where I want to either have people come on to my team or you obviously started a production company as well? So that happened actually while I was still in LA. I got my first video editor. He is a beast. I've worked with him for like six or seven years actually. So he was at Clutch Points. And he was like, I, I taught him how to do most of his edits in the beginning. And this guy, like, He's such a grinder. He is so much better than me in every possible way now. Like he has really taken that minor lesson I gave him at the beginning, like six or seven years ago and become so talented. Like he's so committed to his craft. He helped me build the rest of our video editing team. We have like 10 guys now. Wow. So, so we don't just edit for me. We have a whole portfolio of snap shows we do. We take brands on as clients. We've really taken this team and and built it out in a couple of different ways here. So yeah, credit to him, credit to our relationship. And I mean, it just helps to have someone who's actually committed to their craft. Like there's two different kinds of people you hire. I've definitely realized this. There's the one person that's just like, yeah, I'm here to like do my thing. And the other person's like, I want to get better. And it's, it's like that you see it happen in sports too. Like you draft a rookie who never gets any better. They're probably not working hard enough. Like, this guy's yeah. the opposite. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, because you, as somebody who's like that, who's almost maniacal about every day, I guess, as you can tell, if I'm me and my friend who's worked on the podcast with me since the beginning are like passing back and forth, like, what do you think makes this video really good? Like, why did this video go viral? There's a, there's an element of like always wanting to improve. And when people don't have that, it's, it's just a very jarring, jarring feeling. Um, I can't imagine living that way. I think about this a lot, actually. And I've I've come to terms with it. It used to frustrate me a lot. But I've come to terms with, like, some people just, they're not interested in that. And that's not going to change for them. And it's something you have to accept. Do you think that there are stories that are good that you make that don't go viral? Like, ha is there a story that you remember making that you were like, yeah, this thing's going to crush? And the oh, algorithm, for, sure. for whatever reason, just did not respond. And if so, what was it? Oh, did not respond. Just did not respond. You know what? I'll have to look through. Can I give you the opposite? Yeah. Okay. So I did a story on Barry Bremen. And he, for anyone who hasn't seen the video, there's actually an, an E60 on him that's really good too. He was a, a professional fraud. He would go to games and get on the court by like dressing like the players. And he was famous for this. Like everyone kind of loved him. If you did it nowadays... The, the today's equivalent is like the guy who used to be Clay Thompson. Remember him? Yes, yes, yes. So no one likes that guy. Like he's banned. He can't go to games anymore. Barry Bremen was such a likable guy and such a pioneer in this stuff that everyone kind of like loved when he did it. And it was a thing like, oh, Barry Bremen, like the imposter is here. And when I got that story, I was like, we're going to make a, you know, a TikTok or a short out of this. I was like, this is definitely going to blow up. Like this story is so good. I don't think a lot of people know it, which is a big part. And it, any story that has like a, 
element of fraud or crime or foul play or something like that. There's like a hint of that to it. Always going to be better. <laughs> and then what happened? Oh, it blew up immediately everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> what about a video you thought would not do well? And then it just exploded. All right. I'll give this one as an example. So I hadn't tried this format yet. I did a video about the 50, 40, 90 club. And I was like, man, Tony Snell's like in the 50, 40, 90 club. I found this information and I was like, he hasn't missed a free throw in like two years, you know? And it was, it wasn't one of those players. It's like, oh, you know, like he plays four minutes a game. Like he's not qualifying. Like Tony Snell was starting a lot of these games. Now he wasn't shooting a lot, but he was playing a lot of minutes and he was like, he did have the stats. I don't think he ended up qualifying at the end of the season, but I was like, oh my God, what if I made this video and I didn't reveal his name until the very end? I hadn't tried this format yet. So I was like, this could be really bad or it could be amazing because people will have to watch to the end to see. And it ended up being great. Um, but I, I, I can't imagine like making a video about Tony Snell and it doing well. Like there's like, not that much interesting stuff about Tony Snell. Except for was he on the club trillion too, or he had like he was in the oh yeah the game. the zero game <laughs> yeah the zero game stories you mentioned that you at one point didn't want to do stories about yourself or you didn't want to make yourself like a focal point of the video, but they, those are crushing those like you said create value for an audience. At what point in the process for you did you realize that you were just as important as whatever it is that you were talking about? Well, I definitely realized that when everyone copied my style. When everyone started making videos that were identical to mine, I was like, okay, now my face is actually like integral here because it's the differentiator between people trying to do my style and me doing my style. They don't have me. So definitely at that point, and you'll see it so often with the thumbnails. The thumbnails is crazy. The fact that I started making these colorful thumbnails with the cutout above the text, and then everyone tried to do that. There's so it is pretty so sick. It is pretty sick. Let's be honest. It's nice. I love it. But like, <laughs> my God, there's so many other ways to be creative here. I'm surprised that like, there's people doing it now that don't even know they're doing mine. They're doing someone else that did mine. And, yep. you know, that, that was definitely a turning point, but. I will make videos about myself to answer your question. It's just got to be interesting enough. Like people have to realize, like I don't live some like crazy lifestyle. Like a lot of creators don't. Anyone who read the Shams article knows he doesn't. He's on yeah. his phone 20 hours a day. You know, I'm, I'm not doing those numbers, but you know, a lot of my days spent hanging out in my studio, like editing videos and writing scripts with my cat down here. You know, it's like, you know, it's not exactly story worthy content. So what's next? What do you, what do you want to like, what's the big dream for you? A couple things on the radar right now, the hunt, which I talked about earlier, which is a great way to put myself into the content. I love actually meeting the people who watch my videos and it's always an amazing interaction. And to add some level Humbling. of creativity there is, is even better. So I'm really excited to work on that. We have, we have built fantasy games before. Five Card Draw is a big one. I've done it for years. Really popular. We have some big plans with that. I'm involved in an agency, a creative agency called Supersonic. We brought on a couple brand clients there. 
and we share my video editing team. So, you know, that's kind of the whole thing right now with creators, right? It's like, you can only go so far with the actual content. Like, unless you're Alex Cooper or Joe Rogan or, you know, Mr. Beast, but he's even a good example of someone that built a business on the side in addition to his billions of views. You, you have to take what you're building and, and build businesses off of it. So that's definitely the next step for me. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. So I'm a father of what? I got to find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. Fascinating. Let's move on to some some hoop stuff because I know that so Pittsburgh. So what's the NBA team? What which what was the NBA team for you growing up? You know, it's so unfortunate we don't have an NBA team. Pittsburgh loves basketball. No one talks about this, and people laugh when we get mentioned for an expansion team, but Pittsburgh loves its sports so much. We would do so well with an NBA team. We have the arena, it's relatively new, PPG, where the pens play. They host March Madness there. It's plenty big enough. But I've never had a team there. And as a kid, I always was just a fan of the league. You know, the closest I came to becoming a fan of an actual team was as a kid, we'd always go visit my grandparents in Cleveland. Mm. And, you know, as a young kid, it was tied up perfectly with LeBron's first stint in Cleveland. So it was the coolest thing. My grandparents would get us tickets once a year to go see LeBron and I got to see, you know, the other team too. Like I saw Yao Ming in person. We saw Young T Mac, and we went to a couple games versus the Bulls. And you know, Young LeBron. People kind of forget this now, but was like the most electric player ever to watch. Like just crazy athletic, worth the price of admission every single time. So I liked the Cavs back then, but I never really built like such a connection with them. I can't, I can't explain it, but like I, I'm wearing like a PSG shirt right now, hoodie. I bought this and I was like, maybe I'll become a PSG fan, you know, like that'd be nice, right? Like they got, they got Neymar, I like Neymar. Trista, it never works for me. I can only be fans of the teams that are in Pittsburgh. I tried to become a Cavs fan. I tried to be a PSG fan. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I try to be a Warriors fan too. Our dubs. I, yeah. Hard not to favorite, root for our dubs. They're my favorite team to watch, but I can't really have that connection with them. I need the team to be in Pittsburgh. Yeah, there's something about the local vibe. I'm an Oregon Duck fan, went to Oregon, Blazers fan through and through. There's just, but I'm also a Cowboys fan because, you know, there's no NFL team there. And it's just a different feeling. You know, there's just a, when they lose, you're upset, but not really as much as when it's like, oh, okay, it's Washington, Oregon, last few seconds, that, that heart is in your chest. So I get that with the local flavor. So in terms of like the news, we talked about this when I came on your podcast. What is the most, like you caught me off guard, so I decided not to catch you off guard. Most <laughs> low-key, under-the-radar signing pickup in the NBA, you think, this season? 
Okay, I think a lot of people forgot about the Kristaps move. That was a big deal when it happened. And now that the Celtics have made another move, it's like totally forgotten. I've, I haven't heard any articles or any talk about it, but I think it's important here. And, you know, we're talking about a team that's a title favorite, so I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, me too. I think a lot of that's because he's just not been healthy, right? And so we're wondering, is he a five? Is he a four? How's the fit? And then but the Drew it, thing came in. Yeah, I mean, it, he's always an injury risk and, you know, whatever. But that's that's going to make the team look so much different. I'm not particularly a huge Kristaps fan. I think his game has always been kind of weird ever since he got the first injury in New York. Unfortunately, he definitely didn't work in Dallas. That was ugly watching him alongside with Luka. So I'm not saying this is going to be a good move, but it's definitely one worth keeping tabs on that's not getting any buzz. Favorite off-the-court plot line or plot lines this season? Okay, it's got to be James Harden, right? Like we We talked about this when you came on, but he had another quote the other day where he was like, all right, so update, he's at camp. And then they ask him again. He's like, situation, relationship is beyond repair. He compares it to a marriage being done. I'm like, okay, so what? So what, like you're going to like be on the team still? Or how, how are we doing this here? Because you're still at war with the team. It's like when you live with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you guys are broken up, but you're still like, you still have a one bedroom and you're just sleeping in this like twin bed together. You like look over like, yeah, I don't want to be here, but I have nowhere else that I that I can go. Yeah, pr- I mean, pretty much. It's like, so if Daryl Morey was the woman here, she's like bringing back other dudes to the apartment. He's like, totally. just has to, he has to just like sit through it. It's like, I need to find a different place to live. He needs to go. He's got to go soon. I saw this that Zach Lowe, I like Zach Lowe a lot, but this is maybe the most disrespectful league pass uh, list I've ever seen. Where you've got like Toronto's got to be the the hardest watch this year. So who are your top league pass teams, and who are your like absolutely switching away from the TV when this team is on? Let's start with the team I want to watch. I still think the Kings are a league pass team. Absolutely, they're they were so fun to watch last year. And I know the how many games are they on national TV list always comes out, but. I didn't review it. I'm guessing they don't have very many. They're still in Sacramento. So it's going to be a lot of league pass for me for the Kings. And it's the, it's the West Coast. So those games are, they're usually like a sneaky late night watch. Like that was always the Blazers for me. They're in the Blazers spot now. So I like the Kings. I mean, they're, they're just exciting. They run it up. I think they scored like 125 points a game last year. And then worst team to watch? You can't use the Raptors. But they're really bad. They're really bad. I want to go with Charlotte. There was just news again the other day about Miles Bridges. <laughs> Can anything go right in Charlotte? Like they made, I saw someone make a list of like the police reports on their team. It is so bad. And then you add in LaMelo, who doesn't have a police report. I don't want to, you know, misreport anything here. But he doesn't seem super interested in being like an NBA player. I think everything goes wrong for them. I have almost no hope for this team. And I think it's going to be a lot of selfish me first basketball, which I hate seeing. Yeah. What team do you think has the biggest drop off this year? Uh, biggest drop off, unfortunately, I think it might be the Warriors. They're okay. still, and I really like the Warriors. I love watching them play basketball, but I think a lot of things can go wrong in 
a lot of different directions for them. Yeah, we talked about this on your pod that Chris Paul fit. We'll have to see. I, it wouldn't totally surprise me if they end up being like a nine or a 10 seed and missing the playoffs, like end up being a play-in team. They're just really old at this point. I don't think there's any way around that. They're probably going to be some injuries there. They're going to be short on depth. Don't love it. But, you know, Steph is, he's going to find a way. If Steph remains healthy the whole year, he's still going to be Steph Curry. But yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to redo the whole thing about Chris Paul. I just don't see how he fits in. You'd still think Nuggets win the whole thing or who's your title favorite as of now, October 17th? I think it's Boston. It's hard to pick against the Nuggets in the West though. It re- it's really hard. Remember when those Jokic retirement rumors came out? That, I think yeah. that's like, I think that's the only thing that can stop them is if he just like becomes disinterested in playing basketball, which I think it's, a, I think it's a lie. Yeah. It could be like the greatest bit uh, ever in history, but you have been, thank you so much for making the time. We're going to have to do it again. I am coming out to Pittsburgh. I'm going to see a game with you. Again, like you guys, if you guys don't follow Frank Michael Smith on every platform and you're not getting storytelling from him on a daily basis, you must do it. Again, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. His Twitter threads, low key, very insightful as well. The hook at the end, if you like this thread, please follow. Just like nuggets after nuggets. And he doesn't care about divulging them because he knows you're not going to do them because you're way too fucking lazy. So thank you so much to Frank Michael Smith for coming on the podcast. We'll have to do it again soon. Trista, it's been a pleasure. I'm excited for Pittsburgh and, and everyone out there. Definitely follow the Twitter. I'm trying to grow on there. So good stuff coming on there. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com.